1: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: Hey everyone, it's Dan Favalli. Remember to search Blue Wire Buckets in iTunes or Spotify for more NBA content. Hey, hi, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Hardwood Knocks Podcast. I am Dan Favalli coming at you with my super duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, isn't in the gutter in Vegas like our other co-host, Keel, co-host, Andrew D. Bailey. Before we get into our first league-wide mailbag in a while, thank you all in advance for the questions that you sent in. We have a ton. I know Andy loves these things, as do I, so we're excited. I just want to remind, implore, beg, plead with everyone to continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this pretentious podcast. (laughs) We can be found wherever you're consuming your audio entertainment, but iTunes is still the best way to let us know that you are out there that you are listening and that we are that we are not yelling into the great void we love seeing those numbers go up we've noticed they've stalled a little bit though over the past week so if you can go on itunes search hardwood Knox, throw us that five star rating write a review with any feedback you have five stars only though on the ratings please and definitely subscribe if you have not done so already have you done, if you've done all those things, then please get the word out there. Steal people's phones, subscribe them to Hardwood Knox. They will thank you later, or shout outs on Twitter or in real life are equally appreciated. If you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, we can be found at Hardwood Knox. You can follow Andy on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey, spelled as always exactly like it sounds. Follow Mo on Twitter at MoDakil underscore MBA. That's at M O D A K H I L underscore MBA. I am at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. Finally, but not leastly, if you've not checked out the Blue Wire Podcast Network and all the awesome shows that we have to offer across the NBA, the NFL, other sports, other topics, get on with it. You're going to love it. Follow Blue Wire on Twitter at Pods. Now that all the housekeeping notes are done, we get to the question that everyone loves to hear the answer to when it is asked. Andy, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Um, just parsing through a very uh, heavy mailbag. We got a lot of responses last night.
0: People are probably wondering why it's taken us so long to do one. And the yeah. answer is, is that they needed 75 minutes of Charlotte Hornets content to prepare them for the <laughs> offseason.
1: I absolutely agree with that. Um, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm excited to uh, answer some of these questions. It's been a wild Gosh, it's only been like – it's barely been over a week since free agency uh, supposedly started.
0: Do you remember if Uh, this was 2014, we'd still be two days away from LeBron James choosing where he was going to play?
1: Wow. So I I knew it was July 8th for the 2010 decision. I didn't realize it took even longer in 2014.
0: I believe his I'm Coming Home letter was published on the 11th.
1: That's incredible. (laughs) We had – Somebody needs to like do the exact number of how much of the league turned over. Oh this God, year.
0: that's like—it's got to
1: be close to half.
0: Yeah, I mean, forty percent of the league was free agents. Think of how many switched teams. And the thing it's, going into this free agency was, what if it was boring at the top because a lot of these superstars didn't change teams, and then all the superstars changed teams?
1: Yeah, it's it's been insane. Um, all right, should we just jump right into this? Yeah, let's do it. Schneids, uh, at S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-S-97, asks, Best fit for Westbrook?
0: I, Me and Mo talked about this on the last podcast. I think it's Miami, just because they're sort of the star effers of the NBA, and they have negative cap space. They have Jimmy Butler. Pat Riley's made it clear that he wanted to have two stars by the summer of 2020. There are hard cap implications because of the sign-and-trade for Jimmy Butler, so there needs to be a third team involved probably so that they can lop off the cash necessary to stay under the hard cap. I don't know functionally if that's the best fit, but I think putting Westbrook in Miami where they do have a way of figuring awkward fits out or just making the most of players under head coach Eric Spoelstra, that would be my pick. If I had to go for a second team, I I really think I might go with the Detroit Pistons. Just when you look at the assets that they could give up for Westbrook, um, the pairing with him and Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond might be a little awkward. But the way that Blake Griffin shot threes last year, I think would bode well for it. This isn't an indictment for me on Westbrook being a terrible basketball player. I still think he's really good. He's super inefficient. I don't want that contract on my books. We know about his his jump shot, his shot selection, what he can what he can do to your team in crunch time when he hijacks possessions. It doesn't matter. He's still really good. It's just really hard to discern a clear-cut, good-to-great fit for him.
1: Yeah, I think he's probably still a top 15 to 20 player, um, and maybe even a little bit better than that. That, that may be a bit of a slight, At his peak, but everything he, he you just said is be true. Top 10, but I
0: agree with you that he's probably just in a vacuum when zooming out. It's top 15 to 20.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think all the concerns you just laid out with him are valid, uh, and they're going to apply wherever he goes. Uh, and I don't mind the Pistons or the heat fits. I probably like the heat a little bit better between those two. Um, I think it'd be hilarious to see him and Jimmy Butler, uh, butt heads at times over the course of the season. Cause you know, that's going to happen. I don't think either one of those teams is close to a title contender. If they had Russell Westbrook, um, it probably makes either one of them a playoff lock, I would say. Uh, I just – I don't I don't think it puts them on Philadelphia's level. I don't think it puts them on Milwaukee's level. Um, I, I actually feel like I'm a little bit higher on Boston <laughs> than most people think. I think Boston will be pretty good next year. So we're, if, if he goes to Detroit or Miami, um, I think the ceiling of those teams is maybe like fourth or fifth in the East. So – I don't know. Those are interesting to me. Uh, The one that I keep coming back to, and maybe it's just because I want to see what he looks like with this particular coach is the Spurs. Um, (laughs) And I thought I was, I thought I was completely on an Island on this. And and this maybe isn't like, (laughs) this maybe isn't the best source of analysis to cite, but Bill Simmons actually brought up like pretty much the same trade I did on his podcast today. Um, it, It can't be like a direct DeRozan for Westbrook. Um, flip because you got to you got to add a little bit of salary filler coming from the Spurs and going to OKC but that's an interesting deal to me um I talked to a Spurs writer about it the other day and they said well there's no way San Antonio is going to want to take on that contract just because of the length which is completely understandable I think he figures San Antonio will more likely want to just play out DeRozan's contract because he's he's on the books for just 2019-20 is that right um or do yeah, you see he him has a player, a player option?
0: option for 2020, 2021, and I would almost expect him to decline it at this point just because next year's free agency class is bad. And yeah. so maybe...
1: Gets a little to, bit of long-term yeah. money. Yeah. So, I mean, even if even if he did pick up that option, it's significantly less time and money commitment to him than it would be to Westbrook. But I just I just feel like if there's one sort of soothsayer coach in the NBA who could get to Westbrook in a way that nobody else has, maybe it's Greg Popovich. Um, And if you have Westbrook with all those sort of combo guard, combo forwards, like, uh, you know, Derek White and DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, um, I I think that's a really interesting team. But of the ones where he probably could go, um, I'm going to go ahead and say Miami. That's my long-winded way of saying I I basically agree with you.
0: I could not – the Murray-Westbrook fit in San Antonio would be, I would guess, not great. It would
1: – yeah, the the lack of shooting from the guys that I just mentioned is not great. And and actually one person responded to me on Twitter the other day and said, would it be DeRozan and Murray for Westbrook? And, and, and that's actually kind of interesting because maybe OKC insists on getting at least one youngish guy back for Westbrook. I don't think they're going to get anywhere near the haul for him that they got for Paul George, obviously. But maybe they still insist on at least one young guy. Um, so that that could be, I guess, mildly interesting.
0: It would be interesting. I don't know. I can't picture the Spurs doing it for some reason. The I'm very interested to see what they do end up getting. Is this going to be treated as a negative contract where it's basically a salary dump for cap relief? Or is it going to be something – are they actually going to get real value? It's I'm just – I, they're definitely not going to have to attach something to Westbrook, and if they do, they won't trade him because they're close enough to ducking the tax at this point inside $3 million after the Jeremy Grant trade that I don't think they attach something to him. I'm just intrigued to see if a team treats him as a as an actual asset that they're getting him. Are, is there going to be a first-round pick and or prospect involved in this? And when you're, we're talking about a top 15 to 20 player, the guess should be yes, but four years and $171 million is, is yeesh.
1: Yeah, it is, I mean, a lot of people I've seen have, have basically said it's going to have to end up being a salary dump, which is kind of crazy to think about a guy who just won the MVP two years ago and has averaged a triple-double for <laughs> three straight seasons. But I get it. I mean, that that's a really long deal with a ton of money attached to it, and, and his uh, efficiency just dropped off a cliff last year for a guy who already wasn't terribly efficient Um so I, I would completely understand if that's what it ends up being.
0: Would you if you were the Rockets because their interest in Westbrook was reported, and I think that's just Daryl Morey's going to remain relevant whenever there's a big name available. The really only realistic permutation to getting Westbrook would be a Gordon and Clint Capella trade with. There might have to be some other stuff there to make the money work. Uh, you know, one of their smaller contracts. Are you giving up that much to get Westbrook back, or is that a situation where there needs to be a third team that maybe is taking on Capella and sending you other stuff because you can't give up Gordon and Capella and get Westbrook back and be a better team?
1: There, I so I've heard the Rockets stuff too. There's no way I do that one if I'm Houston. The fit between if you had Westbrook, Paul, and Harden all on the same team, it, that that's a disaster to me.
0: That'd be great theater. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I could agree with that. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. This one is from King Hui uh, at K-I-N-G-H-U-Y. You're going to have to tell me if I butchered that. Um, what did you think of the Nuggets trade today, which would have been the Jeremy Grant deal?
0: How do you not like that deal? There's He has the player option, which he might decline next summer, so he could be functionally an expiring contract. That's fine. Millsap's coming off the books too. Maybe they both come back at a workable number. Mason Plumlee's coming off the books as well. Even if it gets to a point where you don't want to bring Millsap back because he's too old or too expensive, now you have a younger guy that you can invest in to play four. They can get away with some small ball five lineups with Jeremy Grant. I know they have Nicole Jokic, but he can't play all 48 minutes, and there might be some playoff matchups where that actually helps you for stretches. I'm not saying Nicole Jokic shouldn't close games. Isn't the best player. But just to have that optionality, I think, is important. And you gave up a 2020 first round pick that was protected. It's, you know, next year's draft, kind of like the 2000, it's not considered as bad as this year's draft, but it's not considered particularly deep either at this point. And when you're the Nuggets and you really haven't made any other changes in a good way, the continuity, I think, helps them given what happens in the Western Conference. And now you add in someone who should just fit. You know, this is Jeremy Grant shot better than 39% from three on. Moderate volume last year. Doesn't need the ball in his hands on offense. Has shown that he can attack some closeouts, though. And then he's really just going to give you a ton of defensive portability in the half court, which is what you need now more so than ever because Michael Porter Jr. is not only dealing with coming from uh, coming back from the his back injuries last year, but he had the knee thing that kept him out of summer league. So it's important to have that extra combo wing more than ever. And to get him without giving up a tangible asset right now, I think is a pretty big deal. They are, on a semi-related note, whether it's a trade or on the buyout market, I think a sneaky great destination for Andre Iguodala as well.
1: Yeah, and a lot of a lot of Nuggets um, writers and bloggers have mentioned that. And one guy, I think it was Ryan Blackburn, was talking about how upset everybody was when Iguodala left um, and, and kind of turned over a bunch of state secrets to the Warriors. And he, he said, you know, time heals all wounds and we would gladly – welcome him back at this point he he, they they need a wing defender for sure um their backcourt is kind of undersized with murray and harris not terribly but a little bit um they they've always been kind of a revolving door at the three for the last couple of years so iguodala would be really really good there Uh, as for jeremy grant i love that deal too i i can just as soon as i saw that notification i could just envision him cutting back door um, getting wide open dunks from Nikola Jokic. If he can replicate what he did as a shooter last year, I think it's just a grand slam <laughs> trade for them. He fits in a bunch of different ways. Play some small ball five. Um, the the upgrade from Trey Lyles to him to, it is just massive. I know Trey Lyles didn't play a ton last year, but now you have I, you you just have much much more stability um, coming off the bench at that backup four five type of position there's also some talk that they might try to find somewhere to dump mason plumley's contract now and i actually think plumley's been pretty good for them uh for the last couple of years but i but i think jeremy grant as a small ball five can soak up a lot of those center minutes so they've they still got a couple interesting moves or potential interesting moves on the horizon for them but like you said the continuity approach with with just little moves like this to sort of supplement i think is the right way to go for them
0: on the Mason Plumlee front, would you do who says no to this trade? Mason Plumlee, Juan Hearn and Gomez, and then maybe there needs to be a, a distant second thrown in there for Iguodala for Memphis.
1: Um, I think Memphis would do that. I because I, I I still have some hopes for Juan Hearn and Gomez.
0: They the Nuggets do too. I'm just thinking he. There's probably more value in waiting, maybe, to see what his market yields next summer. But when you have—you just paid Murray, you have Grant, Plumlee, Millsap, all headed towards free agency. Torrey Craig, I believe, is headed towards free agency. Malik Beasley, headed towards restricted free agency. Just, are you going to pay him, would just be my question. Might just be worth considering. I I think think it's tough because Iguodala is more of a 16-game player when you look at the playoffs. Yeah, I do think that the Nuggets have the depth, though, to house someone like that, particularly when Hernan Gomez ended up not playing much last year anyway.
1: Yeah, um, I think it is. Yeah, that's it's an interesting win-now move. The only thing that gives me pause is I still do have some hope for uh, Hernan Gomez. But like you said, he didn't play a ton last year anyway, and they might be ready to sort of turn the page and, and go to a win-now sort of uh, trajectory this season. I wonder if anybody's going to offer a first for Iguodala. I wonder if Memphis will be able to, to drum up the price that much.
0: I think if they took back 2020, 2021 salary, maybe.
1: Yeah. Which they're, they're certainly in a position to do. They're not going to be terribly competitive for the next couple of years. So
0: I. Gorgie <laughs> Jang. That might be an interesting play for Minnesota to look at, depending on what they view their yeah, team line as. Unload
1: him. I, uh, this is sort of a tangent at this point, but I'm, I'm actually kind of glad they didn't buy Iguodala out. I know it's nice to do right by the player and let them kind of go pick their own situation. But a lot of times I'm like (laughs) that deals like this are an asset. See what you can get for him on the trade market before you just let him walk for free. My whole thing Um, is if
0: you're going to view him as a trade asset, you need to be willing to take back the extra salary then. Because I don't think, maybe the Nuggets do something like that, but maybe they would prefer to use Will Barton in that deal over Mason Plumlee. And if you're, otherwise I don't see why andre gadala going into his age 36 season i believe Yeah, he's getting up there so it's he's he's i i just don't think he's an he's an asset if you're looking to to shed money while getting while getting back stuff maybe some teams would still do it but i think you have in this situation you have to be ready to take back 2020 2021 money if you want a pick or a a real prospect
1: yeah if their rotation wound up being going into the season um Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, we'll say Tory Craig, Paul Millsap, Nicole Jokic, backed up by Monte Morris, um, uh, Malik Beasley. I was drawing a blank there for a little bit. Malik Beasley, Andre Godala, Jeremy Grant. That's a heck of a nine-man rotation right there.
0: Yeah, that is. And then they still have the filler if they end up needing or wanting to consolidate. Should Bradley Beal become available on the market or maybe a Drew Holiday or somebody like that?
1: I've, uh, I've, I'm have i coming around on the Bradley Beal possibility. Um, it
0: only took you months after I suggested it. So.
1: <laughs> but if you – yeah, if you – man, Jamal Murray, Bradley Beal, Nikola Jokic, um, that's, that's a heck of a team, especially in this new wide-open NBA when there's like 10 teams that can win the title. So, um, all right, let's move on. Uh, at Jordan underscore Fry, F-R-Y. Will Zion live up to the hype?
0: What is what is what are we using the hype as the benchmark for? I think he's going to be really good. Is he going to be an MVP candidate? I just it's just so early to say,
1: yeah i hesit- I hesitate to um, I hesitate to answer that question too. I mean, I have heard there's been LeBron comparisons thrown out there. That seems beyond lofty to me. I, I just don't look kind of like in the post Jordan vacuum where it felt unfair to compare anyone to Jordan. Uh, to me, it feels unfair to compare anyone to LeBron. I know LeBron really struggled as a shooter for the first few years, but it's even more difficult for me to see a really reliable jump shot with Zion down the line. I mean, his his form is just really funky to me, and I don't I don't necessarily think that's a huge problem. Some people um, seem to think it might be, but I, I think if you put the ball in his hands and let him be sort of a Giannis, Ben Simmons type, you can sort of mitigate um that issue, the lack of a jump shot, I, I don't really know what his ceiling is. I, I'm, I'm rambling at this point. I think he could be like a twenty and ten guy, maybe a couple assists, um, probably a multi-time All Star. I, I like you. I don't know if he's like a perennial MVP candidate. I'm not going to rule that out. I he think certainly has that talented. potential. It's just yeah, yeah. I just don't know if it's as. Um, I don't, I'm trying to think of the last guy I really felt was like a sure thing going to be a perennial MVP type of player coming into the NBA. I'm not sure there is one since LeBron.
0: They really never felt like that certainty, or maybe we're just getting older where we're always just going to hedge our bets and not look like idiots. Yeah. If, if, I, look, if This is kind of a cop-out. I don't think he's going to end up being a bust. I think we're going to look back and he's going to end up being a star yeah, in I the agree. NBA. I agree the, with that. The level of star I just think is very much TBD. I do think it's fair to say that he has – Best player in the NBA material. That's what he is. I don't know if he's going to actualize that. We'll have to wait and see. It would not surprise me, though, if he was really good as a rookie. You know, we're talking about him in the same vein as Luka Doncic, just as that peripheral all star candidate right out of the gate. It also wouldn't surprise me that it takes some time for him to get used to the NBA. The Pelicans have so much more depth than the Mavericks did. Who knows how many minutes he ends up playing? Or are they going to treat him with kid gloves if he, you know, bangs his knee like he did in? In summer league, there's just so many variables at play. Predicting whether or not he's going to be a bust, though, I would just say no. He's going to be a, a really good player. And I know there are some people that have concerns about how his game might translate to the NBA. I don't share them. But, again, it's just so early to say, oh, he's going to be an MVP candidate.
1: Um, what do you think his rookie stat line will be? I'm going to say he's like high teens in points. Maybe 17, 18 points, 8 or 9 rebounds, 2 or 3 assists and one block and one steal with, like, slightly above average true shooting.
0: Yeah, that seems fair. I'm very interested to see how much ball handling he gets to do in New Orleans because there there are a lot of ball dominators there, and I think the shooting could end up being an issue. I can't believe—did you see how divisive the Darius Miller contract became?
1: No, I did not.
0: Just the guy has been, just by percentage, one of the best— like high-volume-ish three-point shooters. And they
1: need shooting bad. In
0: the NBA over the past two years. And people were telling me, and these were Pelicans writers, some of them, which is fine. They've seen the team more than I have, and I told that to them, that his release isn't super quick. He's not a great defender. But it's you just need shooting. You need guys who can knock down open threes. And I fully believe his value is different to this team because he's not – you don't need him to be like the fourth or fifth option or the seventh or eighth best player on the team. There are more than those – Pl- more than enough talent in front of him and the contract, it's it's not guaranteed in year two, so it becomes... This tr- I was just surprised it became so divisive. I'm just... Surround this team with shooting. You have more Pelicans fans tend to be low on Eton Moore's as well. You have Reddick, Hart, I would expect his three-point percentage to come up, but with all the other ball-dominant talent on this team, Holiday's used to playing off-guard but he still handles the ball a lot. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and then you work in Zion. I'm just very interested to see what type of an offensive role he has right out of the gate.
1: I want to see some four or five pick and rolls with him in favor. You've been
0: banging that um, drum
1: as yeah. a fellow big
0: man yourself on Twitter. I've seen that. <laughs>
1: um, did you see that article that I had go live for Bleacher Report right after Kawhi signed that ranked all the starting lineups?
0: Yes, I blindly retweeted it and then read it, and it was it was really fantastic.
1: Well, thank you. Um, the were so you long already long know there. where the Pelicans wound up. but I was So I knew they recovered well from the Anthony Davis trade, but I was surprised how high they went up. And, and, and for the people who didn't read it, all I did was take 538's projections for uh, wins above replacement next season, and then I just combined them for what I think will be the starting five. And the Pelicans were one of the starting fives that you could probably quibble over because I could I could easily see J.J. Redick starting at the two, but I just went with Lonzo Ball um, for the heck of it. I, I went Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson and Derek Favors. And there are some massive um, there are some massive shooting issues with that lineup, but the combined wins above replacement for them put them at ninth. Um,
0: I remember seeing in him the in the top NBA. ten and being surprised. I was surprised at how low the Celtics ended up being too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um
0: that might, be, so, that might be a good podcast to revisit, maybe once we have just more concrete intel. on, Like, you know, the Lakers are starting LeBron at point guard. Now that we have that information, you should adjust that, and we should do a podcast on it.
1: Yeah, that would be cool. Um, all right, let's go Pete to... behind the
0: brainstorming curtain for all the listeners. That's right. <laughs> when you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. Time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? that's why you need shipstation.com it's the fastest easiest and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders shipstation helps you get orders out quickly save money on shipping costs and keep your customers happy no matter where you're selling amazon etsy your own website shipstation brings all your orders into one simple interface making them really easy to manage from any device even your cell phone and right now Hardwood Knox podcast listeners can try ShipStation free, free, for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including the United States Post Office, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E, ShipStation.com. Make ship happen.
1: Parker Browning. Um, what sophomore makes a huge leap? This is a tough one to tee up without a, a lot of prep, but I'm going for it anyway.
0: Who did you pick if you if you're going for it anyway?
1: <laughs> well, that I always throw it to you first. Whew. Let me let me pull up. I'm going to pull up uh, last year's rookie class.
0: I think right out of the gate, I feel like it's going to be Shea Gilgis Alexander. Just in OKC, if they trade Westbrook, he's going to have more responsibility. He was really good last year. I'm interested to see what he could do as just a higher usage player, maybe give him more responsibility as a playmaker. He showed just a great feel for the game in the half court. Let's see how his pull-up jumper came along. Again, it looked like he was getting more comfortable with that towards the end of last year. If you're going to put him in a higher-volume role, I think he's going to to flourish. And I said this. This isn't unique because someone told me that Zach Lowe is super high on Shea Alexander, too. He was just a player I became obsessed with. I wanted the Knicks to take him. I thought he was a great fit there um, in the draft. I think I wanted Cleveland to take him as well in 2018. And I'm convinced that if you set his over-under for three all-star appearances for his career, I would pick the over right now.
1: I'm going to go ahead and say it for you. I, I feel like you were way ahead of others when it comes to Shea Gildress, alexander I feel
0: way ahead of people on misses too, so I won't take the victory lap. <laughs>
1: um, I'm, I'm looking...
0: Come on, you couldn't do that off the top of your head? <laughs> Marvin Bagley might not be a bad pick here either.
1: Bagley's you know. an interesting one. Jared um, Jackson. I th- Wait, say that one again.
0: Jared Jackson Jr.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. If he's healthy the whole year, that'll be an interesting one. Um, Colin Sexton is interesting to me. He had terrible, terrible advance numbers last season, but he shot the three a lot better than I expected. Um, so maybe he's a little bit more consistent next year. Trey Young is like an obvious one to say, but I think people forgot about how bad he was for the first couple of months. So if he has an entire season uh, at or slightly above the level he was at um, for the last couple months of the season, I think his numbers could look a lot better. Michael Bridges could have more of an opportunity this this season with T.J. Warren gone, Josh Jackson gone. He's seems like the leader in the clubhouse for the the starting three. You need to pick Uh, one.
0: Stop reading off the entire 2018 rookie class. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Wendell Carter, if he stays healthy, is an interesting one. Um, Bamba, I haven't given up on. There's a bunch of different guys. If I have to settle on one, um, I'm going to go with Bagley.
0: I like that pick. What if of the rookies that had terrible or just seldom used inaugural campaigns – who would you view as the one? You know, I'm talking about Bamba, Kevin Knox, Lonnie Walker battled a ton of injuries, didn't really play, Chandler Hutchinson. You know, who among those guys, the you know the low the lower usage guys, you know, maybe it's uh, Anthony Simons. that I think Blazers fans would probably support that pick. Who from sort of that group do you think would ha- it might have the the biggest leap this year?
1: I think Lonnie Walker's a good call. He's looked really good. In the summer league, which, as we know, is always a, a great indicator of um, future success. But I've heard a lot of good things about him. Um, as I'm looking at this list, I feel like I'm a lot higher on this rookie class than I realized. All those names you just rattle off are guys that I'm not ready to give up on yet. Uh, I'm probably closest with <laughs> your boy, Kevin Knox. But uh, I'm, I'm still Kevin not Knox even You put Kevin Knox on there. me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not there with him. Going back to our last question, um, how about when Zion just grown manned Kevin Knox and stole that ball I tweeted the other about day? That.
0: He ended his future, and he didn't even <laughs> need nine minutes of summer league action. That was do it.
1: unbelievable.
0: I saw someone say, I didn't quote tweet this because I thought it was too mean. You should see some of the. I showed you some of the tweets that go unpublished in my head. There. Yeah, they're they're an acid trip. But uh, they tweeted that Kevin Knox is so good in summer league, and I was like. I almost quote tweeted saying, so was Josh Selby, but I didn't go that far.
1: <laughs> Selby is a summer league legend. Um
0: I still, ha- I still have faith in Kevin Knox and Frank Aquina I would never pick one of them as the answer to the question that I asked you just because the Knicks are – I don't even mean this to be rude. They're just like this hodgepodge awkward fit of talent right now, and I don't know yeah. who's – how that pecking order is going to shake out? I think Anthony Simons. He didn't have a bad rookie year. He just didn't really play. And looking at what Portland did this summer, they made their team is going to be interesting because it doesn't feel like they went underwent an overhaul, but they lost a few key guys. It's
1: changed a lot. Yeah,
0: and but their guard rotation now. Simons, you know, Kent Bazemore is there. Rodney Hood is there. But Simons, if you view Bazemore and Hood as as wings, he's now your third guard. Behind, we'll call him in Lillard and so I think he's going to play a bigger role and I think he's going to be really good
1: how about Simon's dropping 37 points in 48 minutes in their last game of the season
0: he hit of all, he hit for for his season all but one of his made pull-up jumpers for the year came in that game
1: oh wow <laughs> <laughs> I wow that's incredible um all right Steve at scuba steve underscore zero two how improved did, did huh, sorry. How improved did the Kings get with their free agency signings?
0: So look, there <laughs> there's this tendency. I've been more optimistic on the Kings over the past since last season than I think a few people. I'm really I like the fits that they have. You know how I feel about Dwayne Deadman. Rachon yeah. Holmes was a fantastic pickup. I understand that they don't view Giles or Bagley as these full-time defensive centers. I'm very uncomfortable with some of the money that they spent. Uh, Trevor Reza is fine, but you are basically going to leash him to the three at this point. I don't know if that's his best fit right now. You gave Harrison Barnes a lot of money. He has worked free agency since 2016 better than anybody.
1: Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations
0: to Harrison Barnes. You are a genius. Yeah. Corey Joseph, again, a great fit. Why did you give him so much money? Was that the Sacramento Kings tax? It's fine. I just don't know (laughs) if that's the player you want to pay it on. Dedman, uh, look, a fantastic fit, and they basically upgraded. Everyone they added is an upgraded over who they had last year. Just the price they spent and how far they sort of leaned into maybe adding some bigs with both Holmes and Dedman, It made me a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm willing to see how it plays out because Deadman has a a ton of range on the offensive end. So does Bielitsa. Marvin Bagley has some range himself. I don't know if they'll have him really start shooting threes in volume this year. Maybe they do. Richon Holmes started shooting threes before he left Philly. Didn't really do it in Phoenix. It can work, but I'm of the mind that you need to give Trevor Ariza and Harrison Barnes ample time at the four. If you figure out a way to do that, I think this team has... A chance of, of being in in a playoff conversation.
1: Yeah, I I like um, like separated from the money. I I I think you're right. All a lot of these moves are upgrades, um, especially Dwayne Dedman. I think he helps them a ton. You're like you said. You've been on the Dwayne Dedman bandwagon for a while. He's a versatile player who can protect the rim, hit threes, pass a little bit. I, I think he'll help a ton. But um, I also agree with you that some of that money is a little bit scary. And I think Harrison Barnes makes way more sense as a four than he does as a three. Uh, But it seems like they're committed to more of a traditional lineup with Bagley at the four and, and Barnes at the three. One interesting thing about this summer is it feels like a lot of teams, maybe not a lot, but certainly a few have sort of turned back the clock on the power forward position. Like the Pacers seem intent on starting Demonis Sabonis. The Sixers signed Al Horford to play power forward. It looks like Sacramento's committed to Marvin Bagley at the four. Uh, so maybe if the league is trending back to size, um, it's it's fine to have Bagley there. Another one is John Collins on the Hawks. It seems like they want him to be a four. Um, and with, with Collins and Bagley specifically, there's still guys that I think have the size of a traditional four, but can still be sort of more mobile. Um so maybe there's a little bit of both worlds with those guys. But you're right. The contracts are pretty big. I honestly didn't even realize Corey Josephs was $12 million a year until I just...
0: <laughs> That's the one that makes me... Just because at least, you know, Harrison Barnes can just work at the power forward as a standstill shooter. Maybe attach yeah. some closeouts and
1: stuff. Uh, but even him, like, you're right. He has worked. <laughs> free agency. Um, I, Winslow... How much was his annual salary on the last contract? It was around 22, wasn't it? It
0: was like 25, was he turned down 25.1 <sighs> million dollar player option, so it was right around that neighborhood.
1: Yeah, so he's he's The thing done I'll say very, is so very, very well second
0: year with the Kings is 1.8 million guaranteed. That makes that more of a sensible play. I'm fine with Dwayne Dedman at 3 years of 40 million dollars to be honest with you. And when you look Yeah, at that, that one was
1: fine to me too.
0: He comes off the books then just in time for you to, you know, Bagley's next contract to kick in and same with Giles basically. So that, that doesn't bother me in the slightest.
1: I don't know if this is even possible to say, but do you think they make the playoffs this year?
0: I'll say they finish no worse than 10th in the Western Conference. That's the biggest compliment I could give. I don't know. Who are you kicking out? When you know the Lakers the Lakers are thrown in. into the yeah. game, who are, who are you kicking out from last year's playoff teams then? I know people are going to rush to kick out the Warriors, but I'm not going to be one of them.
1: I'm not Me neither. Let, let me think. The locks right now would be the Nuggets, right? The Jazz. Um The Clippers. The, I'm gonna I, say the I'm gonna say the Warriors, the Clippers. I'm up to four. The Lakers are five. five. Rockets, Rockets six. Um You could
0: kick out the Thunder would probably be fair. Are you kicking out the Spurs?
1: They're they're on the edge to me. That's one of the teams that Can we could we not
0: do this? Every year we go through this, Andy.
1: <laughs> Especially me for the last like two or three years. But I think there's six locks.
0: Right. I agree with you.
1: So, and then there's there's a decent number of teams that I think are going to be battling for those last two spots. Um, I didn't even mention the Blazers as a lock. They'll certainly be in there. Um, in, in that like battle for seventh and eighth, I mean. <laughs> Sacramento Kings, I think, will be there. Um I, I honestly think the Mavericks and the Pelicans might even be in that mix for portions of the season. Are you who do so, you think's
0: gonna have the better record next year? The Pelicans or the Mavericks?
1: Um That's a good question. I'm gonna say the Mavericks.
0: I think it might be the Pelicans.
1: I, I think they're gonna be close. That that's a pretty tough question, actually.
0: I, so based off the teams you named, if we're I think everyone from last year, with the exception of the Thunder and and the Spurs are going to be locks. And then you throw the Lakers in there. That's seven. So I'm including the Blazers as locks then.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's fair, I think.
0: And um, I don't know where – could it go to the Kings? Could it go to the Pelicans, the Mavericks? The Spurs have to be in there. If I had to pick, I'm – this is not – I'm going to pick the Spurs as a lock by the end of the offseason. That's just where I'm, I'm not going to doubt the Spurs during the regular season.
1: So you have eight locks.
0: That's what I'm basically saying is that – who is the team at your? I can't. When when we're looking at, I'm not prepared to say the Mavericks, the Pelicans, or the Kings can knock off anyone except the Thunder from last year. Is basically what I'm saying. And then when you throw yeah. the Lakers in there, and the I'm Lakers not,
1: already took that spot. If the yeah. Thunder
0: don't trade Russ, I'm not going to rule them out either.
1: <laughs> I think I might. That's going to be pretty rough with just Russ.
0: Put some respect on Stephen Adams' name, okay? <laughs>
1: They got to get into the tax still, too. Shane so Alexander
0: is going to be first team all NBA, and you're worried about that making a
1: the play. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right, let's move on to LK at Luke0053. Oh, this, this uh, is a good follow up to the discussion we just had. Which team do you project better, Trailblazers or Denver? Denver. This, this is easy for me. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Even though the Blazers just beat.
1: I know. Yeah, it's interesting because they just the Blazers just beat the Nuggets in the um, in the conference semifinals. I almost said conference finals, but it was the conference semifinals. But yeah, I think the Nuggets are comfortably better. But anyway, I'll I'll let you give your reasoning first.
0: Uh, does, does there need to be reasoning? They just seem deeper <laughs> at this point, and now they're more versatile with the Jeremy Grant addition. Mm-hmm. If you have Michael Porter Jr. as an option, should he be healthy? Even Juan Hernan Gomez had his own core muscle injury last year. We forget that Will Barton. Dealt with, I think, also a core muscle injury, and he just was never the same. When you look at his free throw attempt rate, ability to get to the rim, just shooting in general, you have to think that he's going to be better. Jamal Murray, they invested in him like a superstar, so maybe that leap is coming. It's I just you look at them; they are probably the deepest team in the NBA, and they they don't have a clear cut second star. They have an option for one. There's a chance that Jamal Murray kind of bursts onto the scene in that regard. But they're just – they're deep and they're, they're good at all these different positions.
1: Yeah. They had a – the one thing I think some people are forgetting about the Nuggets is how young they are too. I mean all those guys are in their early 20s. So another year of development for guys like Murray and Harris and Jokic even. Um, they should be better just from internal development. And the Jeremy Grant signing helps a ton. Um, and then like Portland specific – I think they changed more than people realize this summer. Um, and with Yusuf Nurkic set to miss the beginning of the season, I think that really hurts them too. I think he is comfortably better than Hassan Whiteside. He started to add a little bit of playmaking to his game last year, and I think he's a little bit underrated as a defender. Um, but if you look at um, if you look at their rotation right now, after Lillard and McCollum, it's kind of sketchy. Uh,
0: <laughs> I Look, they have they, more wings who can dribble than ever before. When you look at Hood, Bazemore, Simons, if you want to consider him a wing, he could probably play some minutes next to McCallum and Lillard if you really want him to. I just, I'm
1: just. i not uh, excited about – I guess I'm kind of excited about Simons. I'm not, like, thrilled about Hood or Bazemore, though. I think they're good. But they've but gone I don't... from
0: I, – look, I know Aminu and Harkos were important to what they do defensively, but they've gone from wings, and then you have Evan Turner who can do either or, to Bazemore and Hood who – in theory, they can playmake, they can shoot, and they can defend. They're not – neither one of them is the defender that Aminu or Harkless were. That's a concern. I am – their power forward spot – I know positionless basketball, blah, 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 but just talking about the person who's going to guard bigger forwards, that becomes a problem. I don't have confidence in a white side. Zach, Zach Collins frontcourt. Zach court. Collins,
1: isn't it? Yeah. yeah I mean I don't that's – that's, that's a concern for me.
0: Collins is good defensively, but if uh, – do you want him defending these playmaking fours? And then what is your option, though, after him? b c a Anthony Tolliver, Mario Hazonia at the four is probably something that we're going to see. Nasir Little. They don't play rookies traditionally, though, either.
1: That's true, yeah. I if, if Rodney Hood can ever like find some level of consistency, I think that's always been his biggest problem. He's he's probably pretty good for them. Playing him um, in small
0: ball form, might, he is 6'8". He's not particularly long, but that might be yeah, something to look at.
1: He's also... Um, he gets dinged up a lot. I'll just leave it at that. So maybe if he and, and I know there's not a lot of power forwards anymore that are like dishing out <laughs> a ton of physical punishment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I still think that after Lillard and McCollum, it's a supporting cast that just doesn't blow me away. So I'm I'm not quite ready to put them in the lock category as you are, and and watch them make me look stupid again because they made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals last year, and Lillard is a top ten to fifteen player. Uh, I think McCollum's probably a top thirty to forty player. Boy, he uh, shut he, me
0: up during the postseason this past year. He was incredible. Yeah, um,
1: that that run that he went on, especially was it the closeout game against the Nuggets when he hit like the the record for twos in a game or something like that? I
0: felt like every game that that happened. So I, <laughs> I can't
1: remember who it was against, but it was he was unreal from the mid range, and he's been fun to watch as like sort of the uh, zag when everyone else is zigging because he's he's. Just a master in the mid-range, and they've sort of found that market and efficiency to um, exploit there. But I'm just, I'm just not as high on the Trailblazers as I was even at the start of last year. So that that in answer to that question, I think it's pretty easily uh, the Denver Nuggets. It's um, an easy
0: answer. We sure spent a lot of time on it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Now I'm getting into the territory? Yeah, probably. I'm, I'm gonna can I ask you the question
0: and... that I thought was funny that it was asked to you and yeah, your mention it all. Ray Martinelli at RX Mart 2. Do you think Rudy Gobert will ever not have the worst plus minus on his team in a playoff series?
1: Um So you already answered this before the podcast. I'll let you take it.
0: When I when I saw this question, I was like, was that an actual trend? Uh it's not. He has been in the bottom three of Utah's plus minus for each of the past three seasons. That's that's just the risk of being on the court so much and your team not winning the championship, though.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for I sure. Here, and... here,
0: Here's a, a concern I'm going to bring up. I know that the Jazz's defensive model ended up working on James Harden towards the end of the playoffs last year. I like what the Jazz have done this offseason. Is there anything to the notion that they might be, the way currently constructed, a way better regular season team than a playoff team? I kind of worry about their front court versatility a little bit more this year. When you take out Jay Crowder, Cephalosha is still floating around out there. Is is Jeff Green gonna approximate that type of value at the four? Are you gonna get that value from uh, Yang if he plays? Is Bohan gonna be? I don't think he's a super versatile four if you play him there. I think it's interesting to go with Ingles and Bogdanovich, but that's not. I, you know, those two aren't, you know, super athletic. And they, they, I think that's a a duo. If you would play them at the three and the four, that can be broken down. And so I still feel like they're that Jay Crowder away from unleashing what would be their championship ceiling.
1: I actually think they're a little bit better uh, suited for the playoffs than they were before, just because they were, I know they only played favors and go bear together for a few minutes at the start of each half. Um, but I, I think it's going to go a long way to have multiple, uh, versatile combo position type of guys. Um, especially on offense that the, the starting lineup, I know there's some debate over this, but I think it should be Ingles and Bogdanovich at the forward spots. You've got guys, um, who can shoot past dribble at one, two, three and four. Um, And that's to me. That's going to be the offense is going to look so much different next year. You surround Rudy Gobert with four guys like that. um, I think they raised their ceiling a lot this summer. They there will be a little bit of a drop off defensively, but I'm not sure it's a huge one. Um, Rudy Rudy Gobert is like a defense unto himself. I've said that many, many, many times. Uh, Mike Conley has really good experience with really good defenses in the grit and grind Grizzlies era. Era. Um, I think Donovan Mitchell has his his issues on defense, but he works hard. Ingles is a good perimeter defender, and then they've got really good defenders off the bench. And Royce O'Neal, Dante Exum. If they need to switch it up and be more defense heavy in a playoff series, I think those guys will come into play. Um, obviously, Exum needs to stay healthy. That's been a big bugaboo for him. But O'Neal is a guy who I think can guard three or four positions. Um, they're they're just incredibly versatile to me now and they, they've always been pretty versatile defensively but now I feel like they've got versatility on both ends.
0: Duly noted I'm going to be interested to see how it plays out for them I'm just I'm wondering if something that I think if they get into a situation where they you know they did pull Gobert off the floor at points against the Rockets I'm the way Jeff Green at the five kind of works for Washington last year that should be a break in case of emergency for them just to me but the season hasn't even started yet and he is Rudy Gobert.
1: I'm going to throw you for a loop on this one. This is because I'm from Wyoming. Um, at fake wyoming hoops, will Justin James have a shot at the Kings regular season roster? Do you even know who Justin James is? No. <laughs> um, played for Wyoming last year. Uh, number 40 pick in the draft for the Kings. I'm going to say yes, he makes the roster. Because? Because. <laughs> <laughs> great question. Um, I think he's got a decent sort of versatile skill set for his position. I actually don't. I'm, I think he's like 6'4", 6'5". I don't want to sound like an idiot. Um, let's see. Oh, 6'7". He's bigger than I thought he was. 6'7", averaged 22-9, and nine, um, and four assists last year for Wyoming. Obviously, it was like mid-major competition, but I, I think he's a versatile player. Yeah. Um, Probably doesn't play many minutes in the regular season for them, but I do think he makes the roster. There you go. <laughs> um, th- we can expand this question a little bit. This is from Dave at Blizzard Nuts. Too. Um, what <laughs> do you see, Lon? <laughs> what do you see, Lonzo, putting up this season? And maybe we can just say, like, what do what do we expect from Lonzo generally in his new yeah, these uh, stat team. Questions
0: are just <laughs> predicting stat lines. I've never seen the 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 value of it i love it Um, all right well
1: (laughs) what so so what do you over under over
0: under on what six assists like over under on 12 points
1: (laughs) no i'm expanding it for you what do you what do you expect him to be generally with the pelicans
0: i don't even know if he's gonna start with the pelicans
1: that's fair yeah
0: i'm i'm very interested to see what the the defensive fit between him and drew holiday should be fantastic i Question whether that's enough shooting. Drew has not been an elite shooter over the past couple years, which is why it's probably important to have J.J. Redick on the floor. I'm not against playing J.J. Redick at the three in those scenarios because of how you can use both Ball and Drew Holiday defensively. But then you get into this weird thing where, okay, well then Brandon Ingram uh, or Zion Williamson isn't on the floor in those scenarios. I would love to see. I don't know if they'll ever get to this, but Ball, Holiday, redick ingram williamson lineups and just let it roll yeah i'd love to see those
1: that would be interesting um I, I think provided he can stay healthy he's he'll be really good for them um if he ever becomes like a league average three-point shooter i think he's a fantastic nba player he does everything other than hit shots which is obviously very very important um but like you said i'm i'm very intrigued by the uh, potential, like the defensive potential of a bunch of different lineups, the Pelicans have when holiday and baller on the floor together, they're going to be so good defensively. I think Zion has a ton of defensive potential. That's something we didn't really hit on, on that earlier question. Um, But he, he has a chance to be a guy who just gets tons of steals and blocks. Uh, Brandon Ingram's length, I think will be important on defense and favors, I think is an underrated defender. So they've got a bunch of good defensive options. and, And Lonzo ball is certainly one of them. Um, I, I'm still very, very high on Lonzo Ball. Um,
0: Ask me about Nikhil Alexander-Walker.
1: Uh, what about Nikhil Alexander-Walker?
0: He's better than Zion Williamson. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's, he was my Shut draft obsession this year. I did a log on Twitter of all the draft obsessions I had. And just to show you that I don't – I seldom hit. Some of my other greatest picks were Justin Patton and Frank Nielakina became my draft obsessions in – I think that was 2017. So – this, he was my – ironically, he's his cousin, but he was my Shea Gilgis Alexander this year.
1: You just you just need an Alexander to come out every single year.
0: Yeah, and then I'm automatically going to pick him as a future All-Star. I hope he gets a good amount of minutes on this team is all I'm saying.
1: Okay, I lost what I was going to – okay, here's our last question because I got to roll. Um, this is from at RR Oh, sorry, at R-O-O-H-A-F-Z-A-B-A-B-U. Ruhaf Zababu. Would you rather face 10 Isaiah Thomases with the skill of one taco fall or one taco fall with the skill of 10 peak Isaiah Thomases?
0: Which Isaiah Thomas are we talking <laughs> Uh
1: Isaiah with the extra A, so current Isaiah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think... I think the first one, the tackle, the tackle fall with the skill of five Isaiah Thomas's.
1: Wait, (laughs) you'd rather face the 7'3 guy with the skill of peak Isaiah Thomas?
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) I'm going to go the opposite way. Um, I would much rather face the five foot nine guys with tackle fall skills. Um, which is basically what I do when I play pickup basketball at the church.
0: Why? Um, Wouldn't you rather – 7-foot, 3-inch guy who could attack and handle the ball like that and hit pull-up No, it says,
1: who would would you rather face?
0: Rephrase this question for me or ask it (laughs) again, please.
1: Would you rather face 10 Isaiah Thomases with the skill of one taco fall or one taco fall with the skill of 10 peak Isaiah Thomases? Oh. (sighs) You'd definitely rather face the short guy.
0: Yes. (laughs) <laughs> I thought, well, who would be better? My answer yeah, would be... Yeah, <laughs>
1: definitely. Yeah, you were right if it was phrased that way. Um,
0: that was a anyway, ass-trippy question to end off.
1: <laughs> yeah, with that super serious question. Um, as always, if you want to find us on Twitter and ask us more questions or pick apart our answers that we provided today... You can find Dan at Dan Favelli, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. Uh, Mo Keel at M-O underscore D-A-K-H-I-L-N-B-A. Uh, at Blue Wire Pods is the podcast network. Thanks to everyone who provided questions. As always, this is – I love doing these mailbag pods. Um, so thank you for your participation. And if we didn't get to you this week, uh, hopefully we do on the next one. Keep throwing us the questions. We sincerely appreciate them. If you've already rated, reviewed, and subscribed to the podcast, make sure you share it with your friends, family, and acquaintances. And until next time, we'll leave you with the shout-out to Benna Udri, Kyle Anderson, and Jalen Brunson. Dellen Wright, Dellen Wright. <laughs> <laughs>